Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Michael Shanker. You're listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. To the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. I am staring out the window right now at like seven inches of snow that fell overnight here in the Chicagoland area. I know some areas in this area did receive a lot more snow, but this is crazy. So, you know, just kind of, we're already inside because of the pandemic. I know Chicago area has kind of loosened the restrictions up here and i know we've been out been able to go to some outdoor dining in certain areas and uh go back to doing things indoors a little bit not as much not normal but um i'm looking at the snow and i guess i guess the weather doesn't want us to go out so here we are providing an escape for you again with music with music talk and interviews and I'd like to welcome in our next guest. Comes from the band Royal Horses, and they're promoting their debut album, A Modern Man's Way to Improve. And that is Mr. Daniel Firth. How you doing, Daniel? What's going on? Hey, hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. You guys are, like, n- new to the scene. Well, not new to where you guys are from, but you guys are ready to go with your new album, your debut album, so how what's That's what's right. all this like? Like what's all the the excitement? Like how how you feeling about this? Oh man, we're 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 pretty uh, excited about it. We um, put a lot of effort into this this album and uh, recorded it down in New Orleans, and it's actually it, we put it out um, last year on vinyl only. We kind of took a different stab at it. Uh, you know the traditional 
the traditional way of listening to music nowadays is just find your favorite band and listen to them and stream them. And we wanted to be a little different, kind of go back to the old days where you had to go to your record store or actually come to a show and purchase the music. And we did that for about a year and it worked out really well for us and went on national record store day. And, uh, after that we did the full release, um, this past year and put it online. And now, yeah, we're getting really behind it, trying to get it around the country. Well, we got lots to get into, lots to talk about, but we always start the same way every time we have a new guest on the Hook Rocks podcast, and that is the essence of the show, which is just like every rock song or every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, a band, a performance, or an album that hooks them in. What hooked you on rock and roll? Oh, man. Uh, well... Growing up in Mississippi, we're surrounded by the blues and rock and roll and, and jazz and everything. So it's always been a huge part of my life. I'd say the the professional side of music, actually getting into it, the hooks came from, um, I, I think, from my mom. Uh, she actually was uh, worked with the symphony orchestra here at uh, the University of Southern Mississippi. And I got to watch those musicians come in. It's not quite rock and roll, but I got to see just, amazing artist and uh that was a big inspiration for me and then uh going to shows and just growing up around music i, I was hooked at birth i think <laughs> well where did it go from you know seeing those musicians play and hearing the music when did it become something that you wanted to do in life you know when, when did you want to become a musician and perform on stage um Really, when uh, when I got into uh, after high school and, and um, really got around gigging, we played some shows in New Orleans. And uh, being amongst the scene in New Orleans really is what uh, inspired me to do this full-time, you know, <laughs> go against the grain and not work full-time job or anything like that. Um that was a that was what made me want to do it was actually playing shows and and seeing the crowd and and just growing into it and as far as you know putting a band together and writing music you know we often talk on this podcast about the evolution of the artist when did that happen for you well i think the uh this most recent band with royal horses has been our biggest evolution um Myself and uh, the guitar player, Shelby, we, we've had a couple projects together that we've done. And um, we were always part of a bigger group. And uh, after playing for a few years together and doing some little duo acts, we finally decided that I think our path uh, together was going to be more contained with just like a three-piece, which is where Royal Horses developed. And um, that was... It, it changed from more jam and, and southern rock and roll to really more of the singer-songwriter style, uh, a lot of more feeling into it. And yeah, with every song we write, we're continuing to grow and evolve. Um, but Shelby and I, we, we, we put uh, a, lot of, a lot of miles together and uh, kind of developed this sound to, together. So it's been neat. You know, when you talk about your influences, you know, what are some of your earliest music or rock influences? 
Well, definitely, um, definitely Led Zeppelin and and all your classic artists, things like that. Being the drummer, I, uh, I think I'm supposed to like Neil Peart. <laughs> so Neil Peart is just just about every every drummer's um, inspiration, and and why really a lot of those classic rock guys. You know, there's a lot of feeling and a lot of originality that came from that. And uh, those those guys, John Bonham, Neil Peart, um, and even as far as somebody like Danny Carey and Tool, you know, he's an amazing artist that, that I've really tried to capture at times that I can. You know, when you're developing your musical taste and your interests and, you know, you're, you're putting it all together – out of you know some of the things that you have to fuse you know with your influences what were some of the things outside of rock music that you really appreciated and you kind of still pull as an influence well def- definitely kind of uh, going back to the the symphony orchestra stuff that I grew up watching that as a little kid I got to sit in the the audience and watch rehearsals and things like that and I know symphony is its own world of music but um that was a major inspiration for me watching the different percussion, the drummers, the, you know, all through the woodwinds and how they work together, um, for the song themselves, you know, and that's, that's a major thing with how we play, you know, not a lot of flash at times, um, really playing to the song and to the music. And I think I got that from, from watching symphonies and theatrical performances. Do you feel like, you know, when, when you have those influences, you know, like where do you see yourself really kind of pulling from that symphony? You know, is it the way you play in terms of, you know, your, your structure or how you approach a song? Oh yeah. Well, since, I mean, we're rock and roll through and through with, you know, touches of, of all different genres, but learning, how these different musicians work together and how they play off dynamics and play off of each other and things like that. Um, the construction of the, of the different ensembles um, and watching those different musicians really, really mesh with each other was a big draw. And then on, in the same vein, um, something like jazz being so we're, we're from South Mississippi. So we've got, New Orleans and Mobile and Nashville and all the different little pockets of music around us and seeing different artists and um, watching just the improv skills of some of these jazz musicians in New Orleans has just been, you can't, you can't get it from anything else, to be honest, to, to see how those guys, you know, really play together and, and just go off the cuff. It's amazing. And uh, as you watch that enough and you practice it and, and try to learn some of these different riffs. We take we take that and bring it back into our music and try to uh, try to put something different down. It really is interesting when you do capture you know influences outside of rock music or any genre that you're playing. You know because it does you know add depth to the playing as adds depth to the music. Right. You know, and it always seems like. You know, when whenever someone is talking about their influences, whenever they can reach back and discuss or hear or listen to music outside of rock and roll, you always hear that in your playing. There, I think they're always a better player for it. For sure, for sure. And it's just 
you know, there's, it's so easy to try and to try and show off and do it, be the best drummer, be the best guitar player. And, uh, but I think it shines more when you're playing to the songs, when you pick up these little skills from different musicians and you study a different musician <clears throat> and then you bring that back to your own, your own taste. You know, a lot of people ask us, what's our genre? That's actually a very difficult question for us to answer because, you know, some some of our fans will say we're definitely a country artist and some will say we're rock and roll and some will put us in the Americana bluegrass. And I honestly, it's just the natural Mississippi mud sound that we, that we put together. It's just branches of everything. And, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun to develop. You mentioned the symphony having a big impact on your musical journey. Um, one of the things that we talked about, or we talk about often here on the podcast, is the importance of music education and how it really means a lot to rock music because oh, yeah. you're hearing different forms of music, right? I mean, I, I went to a Catholic school growing up and we had music appreciation once a week. And of course, when I was a kid, I was listening to, you know, Van Halen and Kiss and all these other bands. Uh-huh. But hearing other forms of music, whether it's folk music or jazz or blues or symphony, classical music, it really does broaden your palate a lot. And you really do learn to appreciate the instruments that are being played. And when you look at cur- when you look at current music and how Everything is digitalized now. Everything is beats and samples. And kids, a lot of kids across the country don't really experience music appreciation class or music class to learn about instruments that are played. And you almost see that direct effect with how rock music is kind of falling behind the other genres that do use digital beats and samples. Because as a kid listening, you're not brought up to appreciate someone playing an instrument do you feel that too as well oh absolutely absolutely we were we were asked recently how how do you branch out to the younger generation (laughs) we we were wondering the same thing to be honest because you know it's honestly i think most kids will only appreciate what their buddies listen to you know whatever one group thinks is great and they'll they'll kind of just go off of each other so i think getting more original rock and roll out there is what what will what it'll take um i know a lot of the younger generation loves to go to festivals and things like that you get you get good shows at festivals but it's hard to really it's hard to really show yourself sometimes because they're just going to go see the next act and so it's just the the availability of music in my opinion that makes it so so washed out um there's so it's so easy to get online and listen to anything and you know joe schmo can put a song together and put it on spotify today if he wanted to and that's kind of why we decided to take a different route when we released our record is we didn't want to go online with it we wanted to try and get uh, an organic fan base people that have actually seen us play music and want to come and experience one of our shows and uh, so we're trying to take it back to the old school way, um, just, you know, grinding through through show to show, town to town, and uh, building as best we can. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I do hear that 
people think that there's too much music. And I don't think there's more or less music than there was generations ago. I do think sure. I do think that everyone now has the access to download or upload music onto a platform where everyone can hear it all the way from Mississippi to Germany, from Chicago to right. Australia. So, you know, there really isn't a local scene like there was years ago, but the scene is more global and it's more accessible to both fans, which is great because, you know, accessing music that I normally would not hear is awesome. But on this other side of the coin, there are bands out there that aren't ready, you know, and the difference is between, you know, when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, you know, there were a lot of bands playing in their garage and they would really practice, Mm -hmm. they would really practice their craft before they put out anything, you know, and sometimes they, they, they didn't practice their craft and they just put it out, but most of the time they did. And it was a, it was better for music all around because what you heard there were people in the room saying, no, it can't sound like this. It's got to sound like that. And I think today it's, it's great that anybody can put out music, but the downfall is, is that there's no one in the room a lot of times to tell these artists that, no, they shouldn't do it like that or they should do it like this because I think a lot of people surround themselves with yes men and fans of their music instead of people who can objectively look at it. How do you feel about that? Oh, I totally agree. Uh, it's almost like nowadays to be a musician, you need to have a social media degree, you know, or, or something like that. Because the first thing you do if you're going to play a show, or the first thing I would think fans do when you play a show is they're going to look up your music and decide if they want to come see you based on what you have on YouTube or have on Spotify. And um, it's you can lose fans or get fans before they ever had a chance to see your music and it's it's i think it's just the social the the way society is now you know a lot of people used to come to shows or still do come to shows to escape um not necessarily necessarily just go because their buddies are going or that's the place to be um you know you go you go to a venue to see the band that's playing that night and actually get to enjoy a concert and I think, yeah, with digital media getting so strong, it, it takes a lot of that that uh, experience away. Um, but if you get a, a good little fan base somewhere, you, you can play a pool hall and have 100 people show up. So it, I think it's the time that you put into it. You know, all the musicians say, yeah, we played together for 10 years before we make it that's real. <laughs> that's a real thing. Uh, you've got to put time, you got to put miles in it. Um, and, and really try to capture the people that are there. If it's, you know, it only takes one person being in the room to, to start the spread. Um, so, you know, as long as you're professional about it and, uh, no matter how many people are there to see you, you entertain them and you put on a show and really get into the zone. I think it'll happen. Um, you'll get out what you put in. A lot of people want to take the fast track and just put their music on SoundCloud or something like that um, because it's easy and they can call themselves musicians, you know, but it's a, it's a different world when you're actually out on the road, especially if you don't have any sort of backing. If you're trying to do it by yourself independently, um, 
it's a whole nother world. And I, 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 I hope to see it again. I hope that more bands will, and I think they will. I think bands will start coming back after the pandemic. And I think social media right now is at a, at kind of a peak where people are starting to step away um, and get out of this digital world. So, you know, maybe music will, will pick back up with it. You know, it's an interesting perspective that you talked about where people can look up your music before they go see you live and they can prejudge whether or not they want to spend the time and money to go see a band on a particular night. Whereas before you went to the club and you didn't expect or didn't know what to expect of the bands playing. And I think that's a great and interesting perspective because someone can prejudge you without seeing you live. However, what they don't realize is that they're missing out on what the energy will be with this band and what the live experience is. So, you know, that's a very, that's a very important thing because you can sit home on social media and there's a band playing on Friday night and your friends say, Hey, let's go check out this band at this club. And then so-and-so goes on and looks up the music and says, eh, I'm not really into them. I really don't want to go. Whereas if they just right. would have went without any expectation and heard a live band with a lot of great energy and a great performance and great songs, they would have had a totally different perspective. Right. And especially if you've got a band from out of town, you know, uh, where we are in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, we call it hub city because we're right. We're about an hour and a half away from big cities. So we, we have a lot of music that comes through here and you can see each year it's, the, the crowds kind of get smaller and smaller. And I think it has a lot to do with that prejudgment, but you never know if you got, you know, if we came to Chicago and somebody looked us up, they would have no idea what a, what a live show would actually be like, you know, cause it's just based on, on location where we're from and where we grew up, our shows are going to be different than any other band, you know, in the area. And, uh, it, that's, Honestly, why we did not take the um, the immediate route of going online is because we, we really wanted to do it organically. We didn't want to try to appease a, just a certain crowd or anything like that. Um, we got fans to come to our show. We build friendships and relationships with them. Um, and then they come to our next show, you know, and it, that's, that's the way that we started. Uh, we started this band probably about three years ago. And um, just now putting our first, you know, album out for, for the world to see. And uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback from it. Um, we've got a sophomore album that's ready to go up behind it. We just started working with uh, uh, the label Color Red out of uh, Denver, who um, is going to put out a few singles for us, too. So we went a long time without without touching the, the Internet. And now we're kind of opening the floodgates and, letting the world know we're here. What is the history of Royal Horses? So Royal Horses, um, we, like I said earlier, Shelby and I, the guitar player, and he, he's kind of the, the, the engine behind us, um, main songwriter and, and things like that. Him and I have played together for a few years now, and uh, one of our friends plays upright bass, uh, and he owned a brewery, a local brewery at the time, and so we kind of just started jamming with him a little bit and uh, it started as an acoustic trio. Actually, he played upright uh, double bass. 
Shelby was on an acoustic guitar, and I was playing a really broken down kit. And uh, with each rehearsal, it got a little more rock and roll, and the acoustic guitar got swapped out for a Telecaster, and uh, a bigger bass amp got brought in. And so next thing you know, we're we're pretty much a full-on rock and roll band, um, but we still stay true to to the uh, to the dynamics. We love to bring it down and, and get real soft and, and real pretty tunes. And then, you know, the next song will be something that sounds like Led Zeppelin, you know? And so having, having a big range uh, was one of our goals when we started it. And so continuing on that, and I, we've, we've done well developing this. And um, so about three years now, we've been on the road for about a year and a half. And uh, with this recent pandemic, you know, that's kind of added a, a shift in everything, you know, from the smallest bands to, to the biggest bands. So now it's trying to figure out what the next step is. Yeah, and I guess it's pretty complicated because of what's happening, right? I mean, you know, we still don't know what is going to be, what's, what live music is going to be like this year as we move forward in 2021. Um, you know, we'd like to think that things are getting better, but even if things do get better, there's still going to be hesitation from people going to, you know, areas with a large group of people. So that really is the big question. Um, how are you guys planning for that? Or are you planning for that? Are you just kind of just waiting to see what happens? Yeah, we're definitely, um, we're definitely planning it. We took advantage we took advantage of the shutdown um, when it first happened by getting in the studio. Um, we didn't want to do too many of the live streams because it, it, it turned into such a highway of music that it just kind of felt like we'd get lost in the mix. So we took time to record. And then at the end of the year last year, we all went and we were tested for COVID just to make sure we were negative. Once we all got our negative test, we actually put together a little tour um, going through Kansas and Oklahoma and Colorado because we were getting too cooped up. <laughs> we were so used to playing, uh, you know, multiple times a week. And uh, so once we got back on the road, uh, we still periodically will get tested, make sure we're still negative, uh, and we're starting with some of the vaccines now. Our bass player just had his first vaccine. So we're going to try and do whatever we need to do to stay safe, keep our fans and you know our audience safe, but we're really going to continue to try and push. And I think if the decision was left up to musicians, I got a feeling we would all want to be back out on the road again. So um, we're going to take it step by step. Uh, luckily, we, we did – decide to go ahead and release our music online so that's got a lot of work cut out for us now um you know pushing that pushing promos and then trying to stay local playing local shows and things like that um but we're we're gonna try and remain vigilant and, and push as hard as we can to keep to keep this business going uh people need music and we want to provide it you know yeah, music does offer a unique healing experience for people who are going through difficult, strange times. And this is definitely both, you know, both a difficult and strange time with what's happening across the country. So a lot of people do turn to music to help comfort them. So hopefully we can 
all get back to seeing shows and going to live shows and doing all that stuff that we know and love. And but I do still think though, even when that does does come back, there's still going to be like a little bit of let's see how this goes type of attitude, you know, a little bit of all right, you know, people being still uncomfortable with what's happening. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you'll even face some resistance too. Um, a lot of there are a lot of people that are vocal about you know disagreeing with with the our lifestyle in a way right now you know who who would have thought that musicians would have enemies you know you know but a lot of people do not want to see crowds gathered again and, and you know that's something you have to respect and 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 tailor yourself too because you can't just say screw the world and we're going to do this because it's just not the right way to you know not respectful and that's something that we we really try to be down here is is listening to to others opinions using that to make our decisions but also doing what what we feel is best for us and our families as well um so we never we never lash back out to anybody that disagrees with us if they'd like to talk to us about uh the cautions that we're taking we're more than happy to to discuss that we've got we played shows behind a, an entire plexiglass shield before um, that covered the whole stage just to, to try to ease some of the uncertainties for people that just want to get out. You know, it's not even necessarily wanting to get out to see music, just getting out and getting some sunshine and things like that. It's very important. And if, if we can capture somebody's attention for just a short while and get their mind off of what's bothering them, then our, our goals, you know, met. And so we just want to, we want to continue doing what we're passionate about. Um, playing music is something that's very important to us. Um, it's not our only lifeline. You know, we, a couple of us have degrees. We've got multiple degrees within our band and there's always fallback plans, but it's just not, not what feels right. And, uh, it hasn't been easy. It definitely hasn't been easy, but it's worth it. You know, it, it's worth it. So that's something that we're we're really fortunate enough to do, fortunate enough to be able to do, and we're going to try and keep it alive. Yeah, I do think, you know, you just have to have a positive outlook, and, you know, no matter what side of the fence you're on, people are going to disagree with you. And some, like you said, are more vocal right. than others, and some people go out of their way to be vocal, whether it's, you know, I mean, you look at the wearing a mask, some people are adamant, that it works. Some people are adamant that it doesn't work. No matter what you tell people, you know, why it works or the science behind it, people will have their thoughts and they're dug in. So sometimes I think it is, you are right to just kind of just, Hey, you know, that great. That's great. Your opinion. And, and, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And you know, hopefully, hopefully, right. hopefully at some point, no one needs to wear a mask, you know? Yeah, sure. Hopefully. And, and, and if, and if that time comes and, you know, great and if it doesn't and we're still able to keep playing that's great too just the worst thing would just to be told we can't do it anymore you know yeah um but you know we'll, we'll take it take it as it comes you just have to be flexible it's really interesting to think about mississippi um in terms of rock music uh because well it's it's more blues based it's usually is more blues based when when you do you have a band come out of Mississippi? The two that I think of over the last few years have been Bishop Gunn and Magnolia Bayou, yeah. 
who I'm, I'm huge yeah. fans of both of both bands, but you know, like like you oh, guys, yeah. you know, they 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 have and you guys have a very you know deep connection to that swampy blues type feel in your music. Is that just something that is very common down there in terms of you know someone that's listening to rock music? It really is. You know, most of most of these these young cats that you see that are starting to just get into music all of them are going to be led or uh, like a Led Zeppelin fan or going to be a Leonard Skinner fan, something like that, which, you know, just really, even though Led Zeppelin's from the other side of the pond, their music is a very blues based rock. I mean, those guys came to Mississippi uh, to, to learn things, you know, and how to, how to better themselves as musicians. So it's, it's deep embedded in us down here. It's, it's a little strange, you know, it, it's not, it, when we get out of Mississippi, we realize, wow, y'all don't listen to the same stuff we listen to, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, most of the up and coming musicians will definitely start out with that, that Leonard Skinner, uh, style music. And then, and then really tailor it into themselves. The guys of Magnolia Bayou, those are some good buddies of ours and Bishop Gunn. We've shared the stage with both of them before. And uh, they're definitely more on the, the bluesy rock and roll side. Uh, and they polish that up really well and, got a, and have a real good sound. You'll, ca- you'll see hints of that in our music. Um, but then we may go full on blues too, you know, um, or drop out and do some folky Americana style. Um, but yeah, we definitely, we appreciate those guys. And we, we look forward to getting on the road with them again. Um, but yeah, that that Mississippi style rock and roll is it's unique to our area, and I, I can't wait to get it out to everybody. Well, it's really interesting. You know, you have Chicago blues, which I'm very familiar with, and then you've got the Delta right. blues. You know, and you know the the Chicago blues is really kind of like the the son of Delta blues. You know, I mean, a lot of that blues you know, came to Chicago because of the migration of people, the population from the South, you know, to, oh, yeah. uh, you know, up North. And, you know, one of the great things that was brought was the, was the blues. You know, you think of Muddy Waters, you think of all those artists that came, you know, into Chicago that were from the South. You think of, like you said, Led Zeppelin, you think of the Stones, you think of all those bands from, from the UK that were all huge blues fans. And like you said, they had to, really learn the blues in order to become great musicians. And it turned out how influential they were and almost like they took the torch for a little bit and then kind of brought it back to America. You know, I, 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 I tend to think that without these British bands being influenced by the blues and then influence American kids, I don't know what would have <laughs> happened to the blues. It's kind of weird how that all worked. It's strange, you know, and it, I think it's got a lot to do with just the popularity side of it. Americans love popular people, you know, and whoever's, whoever's shining the brightest, that becomes the hot take, you know, and, um, and it's amazing. Yeah. That this, this foreign band can come and, and re-show us what was developed in our nation and what was developed in our part of the country. And stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, I think it's wonderful to be honest, because it's, given me you know a breath of in music you know just listening to those guys my whole life um made me want to play music you know the john bonham drumming and and things like that it's just 
hearing somebody else's take on a song that you've heard the original version, I mean, every musician plays a cover song. Every musician does it. They have a song or they have a style of music that had inspired them, whether they, they know it or not, because that's, you know, what they, they can go into the zone while they're playing it and things like that. And then just Americans love popularity, you know, and you get somebody on TV, you get them number one song. It, it's almost like they don't care where it came from. But I think, I think, and I'd like to believe that the blues themselves instill, is instilled on most of us. And I, I want to say that's why it had such a good hook. And, and I think it, it had to have because that's where my life unintentionally went. I was playing blues, playing rock and roll, things like that when I had the entire world of music to listen to. However, I, this is the one that I naturally play. You know, that's, it's kind of, a, kind of a cool thing to see that embodied in everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it's just interesting to know that blues influenced so many genres of music. You know, I mean, you can go into country or rock and other other areas and hear that influence that that American blues that was brought in from the South and, and all the way up North and the history of it. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It really is. And I'm fortunate enough to, to grow up in a place where it's, it's just common, you know, to hear. And a lot of people take it for granted, you know, as we do with a lot of things. But um, I think with the recent state of our nation, I think everybody's kind of disconnecting and, trying to get back to some roots you know when you guys are recording music and writing music what's the collaboration process like uh well we kind of do a um, a little a building block style um during rehearsals is where a lot of our music will will start out um but we have yet to really completely develop an album and go in and record it we, uh, we have ideas, we have songs, you know, um, but we spend a lot of time in the studio. Uh, we're able to play, um, you know, either tracking live or, or separate um, and work out what we want and develop songs in the studio. So being that it's only three of us, uh, it gives us a lot of extra time. You know, I can go back and revisit things. And Shelby can lay down different guitar parts and we can really... Um, dial in sounds that we're looking for. We love being in the studio, and uh, we we just after the, I guess these past two years, we we pumped out a couple of hours worth of music. Now that we we just need to get it released, but we do um, we do most of the writing. I would say actually in the in the studio itself. Do you guys all collaborate with each other on ideas, or do you guys bring individual ideas to the table? A little bit of both, a little bit of both. Uh, Shelby's definitely our primary songwriter, so he will have a skeleton of a song. Um, usually, lyrics will be. He, he's a, an amazing lyric uh, lyricist and, and writer. It's he. His story is pretty unique to where he grew up in a little bitty small town, Mississippi, and uh, playing the banjo, playing the guitar, and and has had a lot of life experiences where he's just grown so much as a songwriter. So he will have a spark of a song, maybe just the skeleton, uh, an acoustic guitar and some lyrics. 
And then uh, through rehearsals and through studio time is where we build those up into the actual uh, songs and, and getting the big sound out of them. You know, when you're putting the music together and you're writing music and you have to fuse everyone's influences together, you know, they all bring something different to the table. How, how easy or how difficult is that with you guys? Well, with us three, it comes very easily. And that's kind of a testament to, to us gigging all the time. Um, our, first, our first album was built more off of some things that Shelby had written over the years. Uh, and then after recording that and, and gigging for about a year, our writing uh, abilities really smoothed out. The three of us, we, we all click in together. Um, we do actually, you know, here and there, we'll play with other musicians, local musicians. But when you get the three of us uh, in a room together, it's very natural feeling. Uh, Kenny's, Kenny uh, playing the bass and, and me on the drums, you know, I don't have to. I don't have to try and and convince convince him of anything or try to push him a certain way into the music. Uh, where you know we start going into a song and bringing uh, bringing different dynamics and things like that, it just all happens so naturally. Um, but that took some time. You know, it took a lot of practice and a lot of a lot of bad gigs too, to, to be able to get to where we are, we are now and, uh, where we were able to just really riff off of each other. Um, and then Shelby on guitar, just kind of leading the pack. It, it, it all works really well together. You know, when you talk about your influences and you mentioned folk and some of your music style does, you know, really, really, um, had that folk influence. What are some of your folk artists that you like to listen to? Well, currently I'd have to definitely lean more towards, um, like Billy string. I don't know if you've got to listen to any of him lately. He's definitely up and coming on the scene or actually he's nominated for a Grammy this year. Um, I would say that's probably the extent of, of, of my folk background. Um, but you, you talk to Shelby and he'd be able to kind of go on for days about folk music. He's, he's a lot more uh, fluent in that than I am. But, um, you know, any, the problem with, with a lot of, well, not problem, but the differences in your traditional folk or traditional bluegrass is there's not really a drummer. <laughs> there's not much drumming sure. that happens in those, in those. So, you know, Shelby on guitar will sound folk where I'll have to just, kind of bring in my own style and, and eventually it kind of morphs into more rock and roll style. And that's that blending of genres that we've just been able to, to kind of accomplish without trying. Um, but, it, it, you know, he, he would definitely be the one to, to ask more about the folk side. As we enter 2021, we're finishing up here the first month of the year at least when this is recorded, what what do you guys anticipate? What's your plan for this year? Is it is it a wait and see approach, or do you guys think you have things planned out? Um, yeah, we we've got a few things planned out. We've we've got a couple uh, runs that we're planning to make. Um, really, as quick as we can, we want to get back out on the road. Uh, but actually, the digital side is probably going to be our biggest push this 
for this upcoming few months or these six months or so is really trying to uh, pick up on some of the ground that we may have left open when not releasing the, the record, you know, trying to expand our audience, get our social media likes up. You know, unfortunately, that's what a lot of venues will look at before they even decide to, to book you or anything is how many followers you have online. And that kind of just goes back to what we were talking about earlier. So really working out our social media, um, getting um, getting more of our uh, you know, interviews and things like that as far out as we can, uh, just to other places around the nation. So really expanding our reach is what we're shooting for this, this year. Well, Daniel, it's been a blast talking with you. I do appreciate the conversation. I look forward to hopefully seeing you guys live one day and uh, really do enjoy the new album. Well, thank you so much. It's been great. Everybody, that's Daniel Firth from the band Royal Horses. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast where the music is all that matters, and we also are on the Pantheon podcast platform. So check our podcast out, all later episodes or old episodes and all other podcasts on the Pantheon platform. Take care. Take it easy, stay safe, and stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you. I see you got your money. I see you got your car. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.